You're listening to God and Comics, the show that asks, what would happen if we injected everyone with disinfectant radioactive spider blood? (laughs) On today's show, this or that. That's right, a full episode of our popular game where the points don't matter, much like everything else in 2020. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am chaplain at St. John the 23rd College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm the rector of St. George's Episcopal Church in Schenectady, New York. Also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I am at Church of the Messiah Episcopal Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Wonderful, gentlemen, and we do have a guest with us uh, for this episode. This is a, this is a different sort of episode, you know. Um, we're we're uh, instead of waiting is until the end. Here? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> There's a black guy here. <laughs> I'll be better. I'll be better. Uh, yes. Fortunately, though, fortunately, though, still no women. So at least, oh, at least we're you know making some progress. <laughs> um, that voice you hear is Father Esau McCulley. He is assistant professor of New Testament at Wheaton College in Illinois. He is also canon theologian for uh, the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others in the Anglican Church in North America. And he hosts the Disruptors podcast, which he has not invited any of us to appear on. Uh, His new book coming out in November, which you can pre-order on Amazon now, is called Reading While Black, African-American Biblical Interpretation as an Exercise in Hope. Father Esau, welcome back to God and Comics. Thank you. I mean, I think the last time y'all invited me was, was it for Black Panther? Were you guys that on brand the last time I was here? (laughs) It was. We were. It was, it was Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. We, well, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out um, how to get you get you back, and I re- I remember our conversation was oh well just like the next Marvel movie, and then there just haven't been any Marvel movies Wait, since that I, conversation happened. That was like six months yeah. ago. Yeah. Really? Was that, but, yeah. Did they not have the Infinity War? Did that not occur? Well, that but that was that was all like uh, that had happened last season. So that was bef- that was before you and I talked about this. Oh, okay. So that's okay. when I was that's like, fun. what do you want to talk about? Oh, we, just whatever the next Marvel movie is. And then, okay. and then they that's stopped fair. making that's Marvel fair. movies. I think as a way to try to stop you from coming back on this show. I think that's actually... <laughs> I've, th- I've thought about doing like a YouTube Marvel thing to kind of come into your lane, but I thought I'd let you all have a couple more weeks. That's that's really <laughs> kind of kind of you. you. Maybe you can have us on as guests as like, you know... Yes. And mine's going to be called the Trinity in comics, so it'll be, like, similar. <laughs> I want to be ex- explicit about the Christian content, not this kind of polytheism that you're running around with. <laughs> it's not called gods and comics. I mean, which gods are you talking about, though? I don't know. Is there a capital G in your in your show notes? I don't know what you have there. I didn't know there, there is. Jehovah. Okay. We're talking about... <laughs> Yahweh. Yahweh. I mean, you need to get up Greek and Hebrew. Keep working, though. You'll get there. All right. (laughs) This is already a mistake. So, anyway. (laughs) 
so, okay. So, for those of you listening at home, you may already know how this game works. If you don't, basically, this or that, I don't know, should we, should we leave room for the this or that theme music? I feel like that's almost overkill at this point, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, we, 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 we should probably have the song. Okay. And that's everybody's favorite part, so let's do that now. This or that, this or that, come on everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man, this or that. Spider-Man or Superman, this or that. Boxes or briefs, this or that. DVD or VHS, this or that. Dungeons or Dragons, this and that. Moses or Elijah, this or that. This or that, this or that. Come on everybody, let's this or that. Um, so yeah, so this or that is basically, it's just a binary choice, this or that, you know, Coke or Pepsi, Batman or Iron Man, uh, what, whatever, whatever it is you want, John Lennon or Paul McCartney, whatever, whatever you want to throw out there, uh, much like in the rest of life, all the points, uh, don't count. So, um, and, and, you know, and then a winner is, is chosen arbitrarily by fiat. I can think of no better way for for entertaining people as they're stuck in their houses than forcing them to hear our inane opinions on uh, the topics that will be expressed this evening. Um, but I, I understand in addition to having having one special guest on the program this evening, we also have a second special guest. Is that is that correct? Yes, one of one of our fans, uh, a longtime listener of God and Comics. My son asked if he could do one this or that before he got put to bed, and I said that he could. So Luke McCauley of Franklin Middle School and member of the youth group <laughs> of Church of the Savior and All Souls will be answering one this or that question before the end of the night. Maybe the first round so I can get him off to his, to his room. There, I was asked, I was gonna say so like uh, when is bedtime so that we can <laughs> immediately. <laughs> immediately. Let's start with um, why don't we start with Father Matt? We'll start with your set. A question for this or that for uh, maybe you want to start with Luke. You want to start with Luke? Yeah. Did Did Luke want to ask the this or that, or did he, he want to? He wants to answer. Oh. He wants to answer. Okay. He likes Star Wars, so something. Do you Star have a Star Wars, Wars question? Why? Uh, we'll Father go Kyle, with a, you got one. We can go with a simple Star Wars one, but um, but nonetheless, maybe have something to it. Let's say um, Darth Vader or Kylo Ren. Darth Vader. Kylo's a knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> he came in hot. There you go. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, he, he he is kind of a knockoff, isn't he? Yeah, it's a, it's it's like they're they're repeating themselves a bit, don't you think, Luke? Like they're just trying to capture the magic of the first trilogy. Yeah, I think the first Star Wars of the um, new episodes were good, but after that, it was like the nostalgia wore off. I agree with you. Luke's gone now. That was his one. That was his one shot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Kylo Ren is the knockoff. Kylo Ren is the knockoff. There it is. <laughs> and I, I, I've accurate. I, I'd say that was a thousand points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. Okay, so since since we have a, a great um, 
New Testament scholar on the on the program. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. My first question is kind of a serious one. You ready for this one, Esau? Yes, I am. So this this is something that uh, I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts on. Some uh, a parishioner of mine kind of raised this with me, and I didn't really know how to respond. Um, so John Barclay on Paul and Empire or N.T. Wright. Oh, man. I didn't realize I was coming in with the New Testament hot takes here. I thought I was doing hot <laughs> Yeah, we did okay, pretty so, deep for the first so, question. So, so, anyway. so for those of you who don't know the differences, Tom Wright sees an anti-imperial message explicit in um, Paul's writing so that Paul's gospel is pushing up against the gospel of the Roman Empire. Um, Barclay, to oversimplify, doesn't see um, any anti-imperial stuff in Paul's writings. And I am a student of Tom, right? So I think that Tom is correct. No. <laughs> what, I, what I would say is this, is that when you look at the Old Testament, the prophets often found themselves at odds with the established and reigning kings in Israel. So the prophets not only, if you look like someone like Isaiah, he not only condemns um, Israel's prophets, but his prophecies look more broadly um, at condemnations of the nations of the world. That's the whole section in Isaiah. We go, this nation and that nation and that nation, you're all doomed. And so if in so much as the New Testament draws upon the anti-imperial tendencies in the prophetic tradition, then I think Paul is doing a similar thing, right? Mm. So I don't know if Paul constructed a theology to counter the empire. I think that Paul's theology inevitably bumped up against the empire, and he's probably not un unaware of those kinds of things. And I think that when you're in, I don't want to do like class analysis, because that would be, you know, neither one of those men are like living in abject poverty right now. But I think that if you're someone for if you're someone who in the first century who had questions about the, the actual ability of the Roman Empire to keep the promises that it made, and you heard what Paul said about Jesus, you would have to be living in an ahistorical, apolitical world not to reflect on how Jesus is Lord bumps up against Caesar as Lord. And I and I just I just find it implausible that no first century uh -huh. Christian ever thought that given the fact that we know that John thought about it, right? Uh -huh. And that Jesus thought about it, and that Luke thought about it, because he makes that explicit in Acts. So, um, in so much as I want to say there is an explicit counter to the empire in the New Testament, I'm going to go with Wright over Barclay. Thank you. Thank you. That's actually very, very helpful. Yeah, um, and I came in here ready for Spider-Man jokes. So, like, that's... That well, well that's coming. That's coming. How, how many points for that answer, you think? Oh, I'd say that was 25 points for okay. sure. I need 25 points and $10, because I'm sure you're going to go and regurgitate that for your church. <laughs> I think you just made me do some work for you. I thought I was doing a podcast. I know I there you go. Pastoring churches in America right here. I'm ready for coffee hour. <laughs> well, Actually, I mean, what, what happened is Father Matt recorded that, and he's going to allow his parishioners to call in, and then that's <laughs> that's going to be church this weekend. Is just what you just said. Yeah, yeah dial in church plus a song. Have, have I been out of the ministry for too long, or do are these the kind of kind of conversations that you have with your clerk with the people in your church? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I have a member of my congregation who's like a, a classic scholar, and he could go he could go deep with these questions. It's like, you know, is there really an anti-imperial content? And I'm like, oh, um, yeah, I, you know, I read some cool books by anti-imperial, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I, th- I I would tend to agree with you. I think like. I mean, so, how how could it not come up? How how could he not bump you, up against? Can that? you imagine? Can you imagine being a pastor in America for twenty years and never writing anything that countered the political realities of your day? Can you imagine being a pastor in any place in any point in human history where none of the things that you wrote touched upon the political realities that you experienced? So. So let me give you let me give you like one like small example. This is going to turn into a New Testament podcast. Don't get me started on the Bible, um, but you you've made me go this far. No, this is good. In I think it's First or Second Timothy, Paul talks about um, um, the law was not made for the obedient but the disobedient slave traders, and he mentions slave traders as a part of the people who are disobedient. That it's against sound Christian doctrine. Now, well, we know that slave trading was legal in the Roman Empire. That it was seen as economically advantageous to to buy and sell slaves, and so Paul says that you know that that, that this is something that was contrary to Christian teaching. So Paul says in a letter that was read publicly that one of the economic practices of the Roman Empire was fundamentally morally corrupt. It would be the same thing of saying you know. In the same way that these stimulus checks aren't actually making it to small black businesses and all other things that are contrary to sound doctrine, right? It, like the way that the way that we sometimes spiritualize some of the off the hand comments by Paul show that we have purposely depoliticized. I'm not accusing John Barkley for this because, of course, John Barkley is going to hear this, right? No, <laughs> but, uh, he's our number one fan. <laughs> I'm not accusing amazing John Captain America fan that guy. <laughs> accusing John Barkley of, of thinking this way. I'm talking about that, the assumption uh-huh. that sometimes go. And so I have to be careful because who knows? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want the internet, you know, to, 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 to start another brush fire over imperial versus counter-imperial Paul. It'll be just like the current fight that they're having about the definition of the gospel. I would um, love, I don't know if you, if you could make this happen for us or not, Esau, but I would love to figure out how to get N.T. Wright to come on here and talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, you can keep praying for that. Uh, this this is as close to Tom as y'all are gonna get. <laughs> it's like uh, the the seven. What, what's the the Kevin Bacon thing? This yeah. seven yeah. degrees of Tom Wright. Yeah, we're pretty close. Third, how about every third question? I will use what I know about Tom's theology to answer what he would. What I think he would say about the comic book question. That's how we'll do it. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Um. So my, my, my second question, zipping from New Testament scholarship um, to, to Spider-Man artist, this one's for you, Father Kyle. Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm going to probably say Todd McFarlane. Um, I, I found when Eric Larson came out, Eric Larson's run on Spider-Man followed Todd McFarlane's run on Spider-Man. So Spider-Man was drawn by Todd McFarlane in the late 80s, um, somewhere around 87, 88, and then he drew him to uh, about 1990, uh, 91. And um, 
And then there were some fill-in issues that were done by Eric Larson, and then Eric Larson took over as the regular artist after that. At the time, I found Eric Larson to be a little bit derivative of Todd McFarlane. He seemed like he was kind of trying to keep up what Todd McFarlane was doing. Um, so I wasn't quite into his art just because I, I felt like he was just aping him. Um, since then, I've come to appreciate Eric Larson's art a lot more, and I do look back fondly on some of those issues. But there was a segment of Spider-Man when Todd McFarlane drew on him, which storyline and artwork is just special to me. Um, I don't know whether it was the age I'm at or at the time or what, but um, I love those comic stories, and I even go back and read them today. So I'm going to say Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane was probably my favorite comic book artist when I was a kid. When I look back on his work now, I'm less impressed. Um, I, I think he, I think he made some he made some very innovative like he changed the way people drew Spider-Man forever. He gave him the big eyes, yeah. you know. He, he he gave him the spaghetti string webbing and, and everything. I mean, those are all kind of interesting innovations. I mean, he's his, his, his positions, his, you know, legs were all over the place. He was kind of, you know, these crazy contortions and stuff. But as an artist in general, I, I, I think um, Eric Larson is stronger. And I, I certainly think his, his, his work, when they both went on to Image Comics, yeah. Spawn is like a cool character. Um, but Spawn was always better in the hands of other writers. And Eric Larson's uh, The Savage Dragon, I think, is more of an enduring character for me. And, and it was a better book, I think, um, yeah. more consistently good. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, I watched a, uh, podcast, or, um, a short little video, DC Daily video, on DC Universe recently. And it was an interview with Todd McFarlane. And they were asking about um, the short, short little uh, pieces that he did for Batman back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, year and, two, Batman Year Two, right? Yeah, Batman Year Two. He did the last three issues of Batman Year Two. Um, but the funny thing was that he mentioned that the reason he ended up getting that job with Batman is because he got fired from G.I. Joe. And, um, and <laughs> I remember... He did G.I. Joe? Oh, yeah. He did like two or three issues of G.I. Joe. And I remember those issues. Um, there was one in particular that was about uh, Zanzibar, who was one of the dreadnoughts. Um, you know, dreadnoughts who uh, followed Zartan around. And, um, and I thought that was the coolest looking comic ever. It had Chuckles and Law and Order in it and like, like all these characters I loved. And they fired him for that issue because they didn't like the... Larry Hama didn't like the way he drew someone. So yeah. he, he got the boot. So he's, I think he's always had, uh, people have had, either liked him or not liked him. Well, right? so he, he could draw a cool Spider-Man. His Peter Parker was sort of a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he wasn't, he could draw the, he could draw the characters better. Um, okay, so this one's for you, Father Jonathan. Okay. Rusty Reno. <laughs> Or Alex Jones. Uh, who's Alex Jones? You know that? Do you know that dude from Infowars that's always screaming? The conspiracy <laughs> theory guy. <laughs> no, no, I'm not familiar with that. I'm probably oh, wow. going to go with him anyway, given the uh, <laughs> setup. 
Who's Rusty Reno? I shouldn't say that because I, I do occasionally write for first thing. <laughs> uh, oh. I, I, I think that, um, <laughs> that, that, that Rusty Reno has many wonderful qualities, uh, but I also think that the coronavirus is real and we should actually respond to it. Actually, I'll, t I'll pivot from that for a second. Here's my answer. Here's my real answer on that. Uh, given those choices, I'm going to go with uh, Esau McCulley uh, because <laughs> I still think at this point, you know, what are we, um, six weeks in, eight weeks in, 137 weeks in, I don't know, time has no meaning. Um, but I still think the best article on um, how Christians should not only respond, but think about their response to um, what we're doing in terms of the shelter in place and all this kind of stuff is uh, Father Esau is the article that you wrote for the, the New York Times, um, you know, which I ended up quoting in my, my homily that weekend um, to a bunch of people who were really confused as to why I would ever mention the New York Times in a homily. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but. it was it was it was really interesting because that article, like, I wish this is one of the times where I wish the people would, like interview interview me to say what were you doing when you wrote this article mm -hmm. because it it hit at a certain time. So when I wrote the article, it was not at all clear that COVID nineteen was going to become what it became. Mm -hmm. So we were at the very. I mean, it was clear. Obviously, there was warnings, but we the country hadn't come to the conclusion this is what we're going to do, and it was actually before most churches had shut down. Right, it was leading into the weekend of that first shutdown. By the time the article was ten days old, nobody was really meeting, mm -hmm. and I was not actually at that time. So, like, there wasn't like two sides yet. It was like, should we stay at home? And if we are, how should we think about it theologically? Right. Uh, that right. was more of a thought experiment saying how could not like because I'm a I'm a priest. I've never missed church in my you know, like adult life for the most part. Uh, and I was trying to say, how can not going to church be a Christian act? And right. so it was more an attempt to articulate that idea than it was an argument that you need to stay home or you're a bad person. Right. But by the time the article hit like the sides just started to develop and people were like, I want to go to church. Esau hates Jesus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but just what you said, I mean, that's what I really appreciated about it is that, um, especially in a, in a forum like that, a forum like the New York times. So like it, you know, obviously, you know, th there are inherent challenges always when you're doing theology in a setting where, you know, the people who are going to be reading it aren't necessarily theologically educated. And so like, how, you know, how do you come at that? And I, that's what I really appreciated about it was the way in which you talked about the, 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 that, that what the gospel may be calling us to in this moment could be different than in other moments, which isn't, which isn't saying you should do this or you should do that, but it's saying we need to be open to whatever the reality is of God's calling, and we shouldn't we shouldn't jump to conclusions about this is what you have to do, you know, um, in order to be a good Christian. But that you need to be faithful 
to whatever it is that's going to be in the best interest of of um, the people of God in that moment. Yeah, I think I think you're really correct because one of the things that you're doing when you write for the New York Times and it's or or any secular publication mm-hmm. is like some of your like moves are constrained, right? Right. And so you can't just reach for like some of these these Christian solutions like in a in a direct way. You have to kind of mm-hmm. invite the reader to consider this in this kind of way. And so you can't presume a Christian argument. And so part of me sometimes, and, you know, hopefully the editorial board of the New York Times also, along with John Barkley, doesn't listen to this podcast. But <laughs> it's like, I, like, I don't really care. I mean, I don't really care about the name of a publication. Like, I'm a priest. I'm a Christian. And I want people to hear about Jesus. And so any issue that comes up is an excuse for me to talk about Jesus, right? Right. (laughs) And so I'm trying to find a way to, in a winsome and appealing way, bring the Christian faith into this question in a context where people in the first place don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. Right. And so I find that a very interesting way of having to write. Um, because you just can't say like the resurrection means that everything's going to be okay. Right. You just can't say it that simply. (laughs) And so it's always a a tricky place to be. Um, and so I'm glad that, and and I know that Christians who have, and I know this is too, if I could, I could write two articles, one article could be in Christianity today and my secular friends won't read it and they won't share it. But if it's in a secular magazine, then my non-Christian friends will read it and share it. And my Christian friends who exist at the intersection of church and like non-church people, like my Christian friends who have non-Christian friends who want to say Christian, non-Christian read this. <laughs> they will share a New York Times article more than they will share a Christianity Today article. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say here, like even the New York Times thinks this is like okay for a Christian to say, can I say this to you? <laughs> and so I found it that it's, it's been used not as an evangelistic piece, but as an apologetic for Christians in, with their non-Christian friends. And that article in particular. Right. Um, well, and, and, you know, and I think the part that was really um, that I, the part that was so moving to me was the part where you talked about your daughter uh, missing her uh, piano recital, I think it was. And you comforting her by telling her, you know, the sacrifice that you're making is going to allow people you've never met to have more Christmases and more Thanksgivings and more. I just like that was I thought that was such a beautiful way of explaining to to a kid. And I've and I've I've used that in a in a in a way with some of the seniors, for instance, at the high school that I work at who are missing their prom and their graduation and all of the other things that they expected to have seniors. My three-year-old, who just had a birthday today, happy birthday, Miriam. She she woke up this morning and she was like, oh, these are all the people who I want to have over to my birthday party. I want to have, obviously it was an unreasonable party because she's she's four now. She was three, she just turned four. She's like, I want all of my, you know, my brother's kindergarten class and everybody. She wanted a hundred people in the house, which which wouldn't happen in any circumstance. (laughs) But we were like, well, you can't have these people over because of the coronavirus. 
And her little four-year-old brain was just like, it just, it broke her little heart. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, she's four, so you can outsmart her and say, well, you know, we'll throw another party later. You can just, like, push it to the future. Mm-hmm. So you did the kind of, like, it's coming, and she'll forget about it in a day. But in that moment, I was reminded of actually the, the thing that I said in the article, the, 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 the thousand small ways that people have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. My son is, f- my five-year-old, he does like these online Zoom things with his class. And he just lights up when he sees his kindergarten class together. And so it's a real source of joy for him. But I've spoken too much. We'll do this or that some more and I should be quiet. Uh, just well, just want to know, though, if, you're, if your daughter had wanted Tom Wright to come to her birthday party, would you have arranged that? <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it is... <laughs> I think I think I must really convey, and this is that's really a good part of my personality. People are just so unimpressed with me; they just think that like it's easy to accomplish things. So it's like, oh, Esau stayed with Tom, right? Let's just get Tom right on the podcast. He must be, he must have low standards, right? And someone, <laughs> someone said to me the other day, like when the article came out in the New York Times, someone was like, "Hey, Esau, I want to be in the New York Times." I was like. Well, do you write anything? That's like no, but I saw that you did it. <laughs> in in fairness, in fairness though, you you mention your time with Tom Wright about as often as Joe Biden mentions his friend Barack Obama. Like it's really, <laughs> really, really. I could have sworn, sworn it was you who came bringing. You know what I said? This I read said it off of your dinner. website. My whole bio for you is just taken off of your website. <laughs> Do you think I made my website? <laughs> it's called an administrative assistant. I haven't even looked at it. Does it really have Tom, Tom Wright's name on there a lot? I didn't even look at this. I'm just, I'm exaggerating just slightly. Now I got to go and look at my website. Thanks a lot. Hey, that's what I'm here for. You got any, so, you so, got any more, Father Matt? I do. I have another one for Esau. This this one's um, a lighthearted one. It's a little less heavy than the last question I asked you. Um, Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse? Is Mickey Mouse a character? What do you mean? Is he a character? He's not a real mouse, if that's what you're asking. No, no. <laughs> Does he exist in the real world? I've always thought that Mickey Mouse is the least interesting of the people who are around him. As far wow. like what is his personality? Like Minnie is interesting. Daffy Duck is is he in there? It's interesting. Um what's the guy's name? The dog. Goofy. Goofy. These are people who have like a little pizzazz. Minnie has a I mean Mickey just has a weird voice and he's kind of like the star. But he's like he's the Is he like, every man? He's the Keanu Reeves of <laughs> Like he's a he's a presence, he's a presence, but he's like best at the center of stuff with a lot of interesting things happening around. Him. Yeah. So I would say, as a character, Bugs Bunny, as a leading man, Mickey Mouse. What, so what, what what does that mean? What do you mean as a as a leading man? Like as the the kind of guy that could hang it all together. Yeah, I mean, Bugs is kind of like, he's kind of a goofball. Mickey is kind of like, like I said, he's Keanu. You know, mm-hmm. basically when I think of Bugs Bunny, I think, I mean, when I think of Mickey Mouse, I think of, um, what's the name of the Keanu movie? I can't even think of them now. John Wick. Yeah, I think of like 
John Wick when I think of Mickey Mouse. So uh. he's like. <laughs> when I think of Bugs Bunny, wow. I think of Space Jam. Yes. Yeah. So like, yeah. I just think that like Mickey is an eternal character. He's like he's an immovable force. Yeah. But as far as it, if you had to describe Mickey's personality, what would you say? Yeah, I, I, he, he's meek. He's sort of the he's the everyman. He's just like a normal Joe. Whereas like Bugs Bunny is like um, he's like an anarchist. Yes. You know he he's like he's psychological warfare. You know I mean exactly. he messes with people's mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's he's That's he's trouble. Yes, I don't think that Mickey has a lot of... In- I, I would not watch a show with just Mickey doing stuff. He'd have to have a character beside him to enliven the action. A Mickey adventure scene... A foil. Like, a he foil. needs to be with Donald, who's, like, yeah. you know, crazy, and or Goofy, who's, like, goofy. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. but Bugs is the drama. Like, that's what I mean when you talk about, like, he is the drama. Hmm. I I keep thinking of uh, you ever you ever do this where you just get pieces of like stand up comedy you've heard kind of like stuck in your associations, so I keep thinking of this 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 George Carlin bit where he starts going after Mickey Mouse for no particular reason, and at some point he's just like, I hope Mickey dies. <laughs> I hope he gets a hold of a bad piece of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this this is my last one, Father Jonathan. Yeah. David Bentley Hart or Rachel McAdams from Mean Girls. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of similarities between those two in many ways. Um, uh, <laughs> let Let's put it this way: I would probably. Um, I would probably enjoy rewatching Mean Girls more than I would enjoy uh, reading David Bentley Hart. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's a burn. Is this going to reignite this conflict that the two of you had before? <laughs> no, I'm, laying, I'm laying off of him. I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving them a hard time. I'm just. He he is on he was on Team Heart on a, a Facebook exchange yeah. with these two guys. No, I, 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 I was I was <laughs> arguing with uh, Father Jonathan about David Bentley Hart. Uh, I need to be quiet because t- <laughs> I'll leave David Bentley. <laughs> you don't want to upset Tom Wright. No, no, him, no, no. I was actually saying that like him and see how you all doing it. Why are you talking about Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tom didn't write Reading While Black. I wrote that book. <laughs> I would love to read Tom Wright's book called Reading While Black. I would love to see what that is. I will I'll ask Tom. That's a, see, 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 I'm not answering any Tom Wright question. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> okay. okay, well, that's all I got for this. Okay, uh, so at this point... Uh, if my calculations are correct, um, uh, Esau has 25 points, uh, Luke has 1,000 points, even though he's no longer here with us, uh, Father Kyle has just a picture of a chicken by his name, I don't really know what that's about, <laughs> um, and uh, I have a coupon for a free ice cream at Denny's. 
So, um, you know, we're off to a good start. So, Father Kyle, what do you have for us? All right. Um, you know, Father Esau wanted some some superhero one, so I'm going to give him a superhero one. We'll stay off of Tom Wright for a little bit. <laughs> uh, Thor or Wonder Woman? In a fight or as a character? As a character. Oh. Let's say that. Thor. I think that Thor, I think the I think that Thor became funny, and that could just be. Sorry, I'm gonna think of the Marvel movies. So forgive That's me for a, like. Uh-huh. I think that Thor became a much more interesting character as it went along, when they kind uh-huh. of found out what to do uh-huh. with this kind of like ridiculously handsome dude who could just smash people with a hammer, and so they found they found ways to make a Greek god relatable and human. And I know that they people deal with this whole like you know fat Thor being like problematic because the joke was Thor is fat, but it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and, so, and so I just I just find him interesting, and I still think that like Wonder Woman in the movie, as good as the movie was, she was kind of like still mostly superhero and not as much person. As far as a full, a full, I think that I think she needs to have like two or three more movies to kind of get the groove. And I felt like it was similar with um, Captain, not was it Captain What's Marvel? The, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. They're like, yeah, she was still figuring out how to be the character, and maybe mm-hmm. it's simply because um, what's the what's the guy's name? What's the what's the star's name? And Chris Hemsworth, right? Yeah, Hemsworth. Maybe he just maybe he just been he had been Thor longer, and I could associate it more strongly. So check back with in three or four movies. But I want to say Thor Ragnarok was better than Wonder Woman. Mm. That a hot take? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I mean, it's hard to compare them because they're very different movies um, and coming from very different universes. Um, I can see some yeah. of the points that you're making. It's hard for me, though. You know, I am such a huge Wonder Woman fan. Uh, so as this is why Father Kyle didn't give me this question, because he knows That's the answer right. before he has to has to ask it. Um, and I've always, you know, and, and actually the thing I love about Wonder Woman is the thing that I find um, sort of uh, least interesting about Thor in terms of their history, uh, that they both uh, kind of... Uh, point to myth, you know? So Wonder Woman gives us this sort of access to Greek myth, um, and then Thor, obviously, is a Norse god, so there's this kind of access to Norse myth. Uh, And yet, I feel like it's much more interesting what, what, what's, you know, in terms of, like, how Wonder Woman has been connected with these characters from, from Greek myth, um, even for me, like as a believer to watch her struggle with her faith than it is to see Thor uh, just, you know, saying thee and thou a lot and throwing a hammer at people. <laughs> I mean, are we allowed to ask, like, what are Wonder Woman's powers? So, yeah, does she have an, an, an impressive power set? Is that, a, is that a weird thing to say? She does. Yeah, I, um, I she, mean, so does yeah. Thor, you know, but uh, but yeah, no, she's uh, she has. Um, well, and some of this is like, what has she had historically versus now? But like she has, um, you know, incredible 
strength and uh, the ability to fly, uh, agility. Uh, she can. Can bounce. she fly? Can she fly? Mm -hmm. Fly or just jump? She can fly. So this this is something that shifted in the '80s. Up until the '80s, she could jump really far, but not fly. Uh, yes. but, but since about the mid '80s, she's she's been able to fly. Does she fly in the movie? Forgive me if I forgot that. I, I don't think she does. I don't think she I don't does. Think she yeah, does. I don't really remember that. Yeah. I need to rewatch. There we go. She doesn't fly. I think she jumps around in the movie. Yeah, she, I think she does. She does. I mean, and, and didn't her power come? Her power comes from the gods, right? Like her she power, has. Yeah, like her powers come the from the gods. Of so she's, she's an Amazon, right? So she's part of this kind of warrior race of women. Um, and, and that has some grounding in Greek mythology, but it's interesting because, um, the writers of, of, of Wonder Woman, um, all the way back to the creator have always seemed to feel like they, they can take license with it. And so it's like, it's got this root in Greek mythology, but it can go almost anywhere. Um, and one of the things that I like about her is that there are a lot of sort of enigmas that she's trying to kind of wrestle into one person. So she's like, she's a warrior uh, for a philosophy for peace. Like, how do you reconcile those two things together? Um, she is of this race of women that doesn't even allow men onto the, onto the island, and yet then she goes out into the world and has... Um, uh, uh, you know, meets men and tries to sort of reconcile those things. Um, she is, uh, in some in some cases, her powers are almost godlike, and yet there is this distancing. And so she wrestles with faith a lot, like you know, uh, how how to understand her prayers, how to understand when the gods do and don't respond. Um, you know, what, what is it that, that gives strength? There's even a lot of good sort of stuff about grace in, in some of the, the storylines about her too. So that, that's what she I really found compelling about her. Anyway, what? But she doesn't have a hammer. That's she does, she does not have a hammer. So if that's what you're she, looking for. Then she doesn't have a hammer, but she has a pet kangaroo. Is that true? <laughs> she does. In the comics, in there the is past. there is yeah. a there is a period of time to you know of course because she's been around for uh, almost eighty years at this point. There, there's a period of time where uh, where they had her with the ability to talk to animals, which I always oh. was like yeah. <laughs> weird and random, you know. But and then there was a time in the seventies where she like lost all her powers and she just became like she, a spy. Yeah, there was yeah, yeah, it was like in the midst of like the sort of the height of the women's live movement and they like ditched the old costume and she started to wear a karate gi and like live in an apartment and yeah. Basically she became Diana Rigg from the Avengers. I, yeah. I don't know. It didn't last very long. That, that no. well. So uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest bummers of the coronavirus pandemic is uh, when are we going to get to see the new Wonder Woman movie? It's like I it was right. It's it's it's. Uh, it are they going to release it on Netflix or what? What's going to happen? I, I, I was pretty excited to see that. So probably and, and, what they're doing with a lot of movies and like releasing them through Amazon Prime for rent. Because uh, they recently yeah. did that with a couple movies that were scheduled to come out, and they've kind of made some good money on a few movies, non-comic book movies, but made 
you know, decent money, so might yeah. be the it's, way they'll go. It's not the same as seeing it in, in the movies, though. Uh, but, but I mean, uh, to Esau's point, I'm excited to see how her character develops in this new movie, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, what new dimensions they'll bring out for, for the film version of Wonder Woman. So, yeah. All right. Father Kyle, well, I think we've gotten through one of yours. Yes, let me move on. <laughs> Uh, Father Jonathan, this one is for you, Augustine of Hippo or Thomas Aquinas. That's a, a weird duo to pair against each other, since uh, uh, Aquinas is uh, pretty Augustinian um, in his theology and his approach. So I, I suppose, um, you know, I'm not like an uber Thomist. Uh, but if, if you're forcing me to choose between those two, I would probably say Thomas only for the reason that I think that, that Thomas, um, uh, develops and applies a lot of good stuff that comes from Augustine. But I I mean, really like I, you can't really like choose between them. They're both giants. That they are, that they are. I will give you a, uh, coupon to McDonald's for (laughs) a milkshake for that one. (laughs) Uh, the correct answer is Robert Bellerman. That's the <laughs> Father Matt. Uh, let's go with Wolverine or the comedian. Ooh. Oh, oh, the comedian from um, Watchmen. Yes. Um, well, geez. Um, the the comedian is sort of like the anti superhero. Um, I mean, he's just like a complete nihilist. Um, he's a very interesting character. I mean, we we only really get that one story of him, and um, you know, he's murdered at the beginning of the Watchmen book, um, and, and so uh, you 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 get like kind of hints of his character. Um, Wolverine, on the other hand, has is, is been a character that has a lot more of a backstory, has been worked on by a lot more creators, um, and has sort of become part of the pantheon of um, Marvel heroes. Um, I, I mean, if, so for that reason, I, you know, um, I'm going to say Wolverine. Because Wolverine has more of a, of, of, of a complete story and more of a mythos behind him. Um, and so many different takes. I mean, you know, there's the Chris Claremont X-Men. There's Frank Miller's run on Wolverine. There's the Weapon X storyline. So I, there's just more to dig into with Wolverine. He's the best comic book character of all time. Boom. Blazing hot take. <laughs> Wolverine, would you say the best character? Yes. Why? Because he's better than everybody else. That's how you become the best. <laughs> wow. What a, what a well-thought-out reason. First of all, I used to watch the cartoon when I was a kid. He was my favorite character, the X-Men yeah. cartoons. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So he's the, most, he's the most interesting mutant, at least to me. Yeah. The Dean Gray Phoenix storyline is interesting, but... The dilemma that he wrestles with as to what to do about that is what kind of makes Gene Gray. The competition between him and Cyclops is what makes the whole Gene Gray triangle interesting. Mm-hmm. I, so I, just, I think that in the mutant, and I think that his like ability to heal 
is something that makes him both vulnerable to injury, but also like resilient. And the claws as well. It's just like the claws are cool. His powers are cool. He for a long time doesn't age until he starts aging. But old quasi healing Wolverine is cool in the comics. Um, I think that I think the Superman we've had like the, our inability to make a good Superman movie now shows how good it is to have a how difficult it is to have an interesting Superman. The only person you could put next to him would be Batman, but in a fight. Batman would lose to Wolverine because Batman's just a rich, smart guy, and I think that anti antium's you know claws, rich, smart guy, whatever that's called, sharp claws beats rich guy. So I try to think who else is around. Thor maybe, but Thor's not better than Wolverine. Who could you possibly name that's better than Wolverine? Let me ask you that question. Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean. I... How, how, okay, how about, how about, I don't know. Batman might give Wolverine turn. a run for his Wolverine, money. Wolverine, this or that. Wolverine <laughs> or everybody else. <laughs> uh, given those choices, I will go with everybody else. Anybody else, then. How about that? Anybody. Wolverine, I, I'm not hating on Wolverine by any means. I think he's he's an awesome character. And I, I think, you know, when, when I was growing up, he was everybody's favorite. It was Who's like Wolverine... Wolverine was the was was better. Good. Give me a name. Honestly, so like I was a huge X Men fan as a kid, even before that cartoon. Although I, I remember that cartoon, and I used to love watching it. Um, and Wolverine was like the one X Man who I was like, this guy is so boring. Why do they keep spending what? any time what? showing him? Really? He's such a boring character. He's like so just like one dimensional that it. It drives no. me up a wall. I mean, I, now, I've seen things since then where I've like, okay, I can appreciate this or that aspect of him. So I'm not like completely against Wolverine, but like he would like, he, I, he wouldn't even like crack my top 15 heroes. Really? We're voting you off the island, buddy. Who's here? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the minority on this one. He's definitely, he's definitely like, if you go, like, Superman is historic, but I would say modern interest. It's got to be Batman or Wolverine. Those are. I would also disagree with your premise yeah. that, that Batman would lose in a fight to Wolverine. I think it would be the shortest fight in history. I think Batman would have him in a cage in 20 minutes. Right. I, I, yeah, Batman's a lot more than a rich guy with toys. I mean, he's like, you know, he's the master. He's literally a rich guy with toys. <laughs> That's exactly what he is. I mean, you know, they, they, both, they both have, uh, a, like, I mean, you know, Batman was trained under Ra's al Ghul. I mean, like, you know, uh, Wolverine used to run with the hand. I mean, that that those are, those are comparable, uh, you know, martial arts backgrounds, but... But I don't know. I mean, Bat Batman has taken down Superman. And Batman <laughs> is also like just, I mean, he's he's very calculated in the way that he yes. approaches things. And Wolverine is just like pure id. I think, you know, like he would he would look at Wolverine and find his weakness immediately and exploit it. Well, I, and, and As he bleeds out. Wolverine I think is an interesting character but I mean he, he's sort of a reluctant hero 
he's you know he doesn't have the heroism that that some of these other characters have mm-hmm. i mean he's uh he 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 could you know he definitely has that heroic potential but he's always working against sort of almost a villainous side to him um what you know which is exactly what makes him interesting so, so, he's a wild card in the x-men I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Father Jonathan alone, but I'm gonna pick apart this. They win in a fight because he will put him in a cage. Do you think that like Wolverine's gonna say, "Hey, on Tuesday, let's meet and have a fight, and then you can have the cage ready"? Do you think? He's gonna, <laughs> do you think? Do you think that the whole point is the claws cut through everything except for that kind of steel? So whatever cage you put him in, he's just gonna slice through and then cut through the bat suit and kill him. Listen, <laughs> That's what listen. Happened. Listen. If that happened, he would break in the house, take the bullets, heal, and cut his throat. That's the end of the fight. So, so as as a young person, which I no longer count as, but as a yes. young person, uh, one of my favorite rappers was always KRS-One. Love me yes. some KRS-One. One of the things that I was always impressed with about KRS-One, of course, a lot of it was just content and stuff, but one of the things I always found impressive about him was he literally wrote the takedown rhyme for every new rapper that came out. Like, he wouldn't, he didn't publish them, he didn't put them out, but he was just like, yep, every time there's a new rapper, I've just got one ready, just in case. <laughs> okay. okay. That is Batman. Yes, yes. He doesn't have to wait around for like Wolverine. Sup- no, 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 no. He has got it figured out already. He's got it figured out. He's got it figured out to the degree that he knows what to do if Wolverine uh, comes today, if he comes tomorrow, if Wolverine is mutated somehow and becomes half Wolverine, half Spider-Man. He's ready for him. If Wolverine turns into a, a 65-year-old Vietnamese woman, he's ready for him. He has every single contingency down. Yeah, he does. You know, and, and, and when, 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 Mar- when the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe amalgamated, um, Wolverine and Batman merged his they characters. Did. Remember remember that? <laughs> yeah. What they happened? There, there, was, there was a story, there was a, a crossover event that they yeah. did where they took Marvel characters and they took... DC characters and they mashed them up. So you had Superman and Captain America, which is Super Soldier. Okay. And uh, and Wolverine mashed up with Batman, in in a, uh, in an interesting mashup. I'm trying to remember some of the other characters that they did. Yeah, I um, don't remember. If your argument is if your argument is Jonathan, that no matter what Wolverine did, I am like. Batman, it will have a plan for it. Is the Infinity Plus One equivalent of all comic book? No, arguments? it's not. It's not because because a different. I could see a situation where Batman could lose a fight, right? Because even though he has a plan for every situation and he's very very smart, you could st- you could still see you know some other character. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, outsmarting him or thinking through things differently or whatever. I'm saying Wolverine would not do that. Wolverine would continue to bash his head against the cage until his head came off. <laughs> and I want to say he'd get out of the cage. And what what I'm saying is it could be your <laughs> cerebral nature 
is drawn towards the smart guy, and this is your way of saying you'll beat me in a fight. <laughs> there, there you go. We, we got to move on. <laughs> we need, like, the little bell. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, that wasn't even my question. I just love Wolverine. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. I think it's on... I gave it to Father Matt last one. Yeah, that right? was. I don't even remember right. anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna give Father Jonathan the next one here. Doctor Manhattan or the Beyonder? Who's the Beyonder? He's, uh, he's the god who uh, instigated the whole Secret War event. Oh. Yeah, the Beyonder is like a sentient universe. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, and then he like, and, and then he came to Earth, and he had like the, the like the perm and the white suit. <laughs> yeah. He okay. Basically, right. Um, I think I'll go with Doctor Manhattan. I don't know. I that's that's kind of a. Maybe it's kind of a toss-up, but I probably ha I ha obviously I have more invested in Doctor Manhattan since I remember his name and who yeah. he is off the top of my head <laughs> than the other one. Well, Doctor Manhattan is pretty awesome. It's true. Yeah, he needs to wear some pants though. This this is this is true. Yes. Yes, he definitely does. They're kind of they're kind of connecting point is the fact that both of those guys have managed to sort of alter the realities right, of the Marvel yeah. and DC universe. Right. I saw but where you're I going definitely think yeah. Dr. Manhattan is, uh, he's sort of the cooler guy. All right. Um, let me give one to father Esau. This is a historical question. George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a classic Father Jonathan move. That is, Just yeah. <laughs> There's a guy named Joshua Chamberlain who fought for the Union. Um, I think he's in the like first main division. Mm -hmm. um, I like Joshua Chamberlain. There you go. There's a a a old white guy from the olden days who I like. That guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never heard of him before. You've never heard of Joshua Chamberlain. No, I actually haven't. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Joshua Chamberlain um, held off. Never mind. I'm not going to give you a history lesson. Google Joshua Chamberlain, and I okay. um, think he was there on the Battle of Little Round Top. Okay, I didn't, I didn't hear Father Kyle giving any scores, so I'm just I'm going to tell everybody uh, that at the end of our second round here, uh, for some reason, all of us have 100 points. <sighs> That's there you go. And you have your at. McDonald's coupon. I do have a McDonald's coupon, <laughs> which, as it turns out, is worth 100 points. Who knew? So, um, uh, we're, we're, so it's anybody's game going into the final round here is my point. It's anybody's okay. game. Okay. Um, and it's important to have the stakes be high because right now there's no sports. So we need to have something to... <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. The uh, the the ultimate round, the ultimate challenge, Father Matt. Sleep, uh -huh. Sleeping in or going to bed early? Sleeping in. Yeah, no, I, I hate. I, I don't like mornings, like getting up in the morning. But um, I still have this kind of like resistance to going to bed early. 
Mm-hmm. Like I could be like tired and irritable, but I'm like, you know, sitting up and like trying to read or something. And, you know, I, I could be like tired. And my wife will be like, why don't you just go to bed? I'm like, it's only 930. I'm not going to bed. I'm a man. I'm going to stay up late. Um, but I, 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 I like to sleep in when I can. Um, I much prefer sleeping in. To- totally. I, I remember this. I remember this well from when we when we did our uh, Doxicon event, and Father Matt and I shared a room, and I was like drifting off, and he kept talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I chose, like, I chose well sleep. being out on the couch. Apparently, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Father Esau, Father Doctor Canon Esau. I don't know. I like, I like to add a type of the week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Tiger King or Lion King? Billy Jean King. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say, I was. this is one of those times where I said, you know what, I'm going to not be Christian snob who thinks they're above, you know, watching some popular culture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see what this Lion King thing is. And a piece of my soul died with each episode that I watched. You mean, you're saying Tiger King, right? You said Lion and, King. You said you mean Tiger I'm sorry, King? Tiger King. Sorry, yeah. Tiger King. And I was like, wait a minute. There's like polygamy in this show? And someone, <laughs> someone gets their arm bit off during filming and that was not the craziest thing that happened? And someone literally shoots himself in the head, sorry, spoiler alert. It's, I'm like, what is this dark hole that I've fallen down? And so there's a part, there's some soul damage that, 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 but you think that like, maybe there's some redeeming thing that's coming out at the end. And it's not, it's, it's, it's the pure manifestation of like, American will to fame and nihilism and cruelty. So it's like it's a perfect, a perfect picture of what's wrong with America. So I guess the winner is Lion King. If you want to have hope for the world, Tiger King. If you're a realist, yeah. Well, and of course the the the, the big thing being the 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 great irony that this man who wanted fame his whole life finally gets it. Uh, when he's in prison for murder and can't actually make yes. much out of it, yeah. Attempted murder. Attempted murder. That's right. Yeah, he didn't. Not he. He, he didn't even manage that. He plotting the murder yeah. or whatever. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I wonder, like, how? Sorry, that's. We, I'm not even going to start asking lying Tiger King questions because that's a. I've, I've been in therapy, so I'm, I'm like this close <laughs> to being on the other side of it. <laughs> Okay. Got out to Carol Baskins. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Father Kyle. So uh, this one is inspired by the fact that I've been reading um, George Perez's War of the Gods from oh, okay. the early 90s. Um, yeah. And so Roman gods or Greek gods? Oh. Oh. Um. 
I mean, in a lot of ways, they're very reflective of one another, aren't they? Right, which is what makes that whole War of the Gods so crazy, is that they're basically the same thing, but they're fighting against each other. I'm stymied for an answer here, uh, because they're so similar to one another. Mm -hmm. I probably will just go with, um, I'll go with the Roman gods, uh, just because um, Rome proved the greater power in the end. Uh, Well, I'm going to have to say the Greek gods. I'm going to jump in here because, um, well, well, for one, um, the Greek myths proved to be the, you know, the prototypes for the Greek mythology. But I mean, um, does does Roman mythology have anything comparable uh, to the Iliad or the Odyssey, Homer? I mean, um, yeah, no, it's it's all it's all straight up jacked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, um, so I, yeah, you know, I, just, just for that, I mean, just, just for Homer, you got to go with the great God. So we're going to, uh, you know, that's, uh, Father Matt, I think, gets that one on the steel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he gets 375 points for that stolen answer. So good job, Father Matt. Um, and you have a chance to expand your lead with this next one, Father Matt. Okay. Uh, social distancing from your house or from a 57 Chevy? <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Oh, the 57 Chevy has made a return. Um, well, I'm going to say my house um, or, or St. George's Rectory is very nice. And it's, it's big. And my family is there. <laughs> and um you know my 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 stuff my books and um so i'm gonna say yeah I'd, I'd much rather spend my time um locked up in my beautiful rectory that i have the privilege of living in with my family and a big backyard um than uh than a 57 chevy hmm 57 Chevy is pretty big, though. You know, you could probably take the family with you and go nowhere because nothing is open and there's nothing to do. But listen to what you're saying. (laughs) I I want to go in the car with my children for (laughs) weeks on end. No, I mean, it's bad enough being locked in a house with the kids screaming all the time. No, not a 57 Chevy. I hear that completely. <laughs> I hear that completely. Okay. Uh, last question. I'm going to make this a free-for-all. Okay? So uh, anybody can chime in uh, and answer this one as if I could have stopped it to begin with. Um, so uh, you all who are listening at home, you can't see me right now. Uh, but if you could, you would recognize what I'm sure the other uh, uh, gentlemen here have already recognized, which is that I clearly needed a haircut before lockdown started and have not gotten one since it started. And so uh, my hair at this point is what I would describe as full-on 90s sitcom. It's like, it's just reached... (laughs) It's a good sitcom, though. That level, Yeah. yeah. Um, so my question, free for all question is 90s sitcom hair or 80s band hair? And it doesn't matter the genre of band, just 80s band hair. 80s band hair is, is, is probably the most 
egregious form of hair. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, especially um, the metal bands, the hair metal bands that are especially known for their ridiculous, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, bleach blonde hairdos. Um, but I want to add that is, is your hair is long now, but when I first met Father Jonathan, yes, yes. the ponytail era, yeah, he had this long. He had his hair was red, and it ran like all the way down his back. He had like the, the, of this curly red hair that went all the way down his back. So you're you've not reached uh, early two thousands, Jonathan. Oh, that's, Michigan, that's very true. Uh, well, I have. I'm about to say, I have to translate this to, as I often have to do, to black people. And so, <laughs> if we're saying 80s, I say 80s is the Jerry Curl era. I was for, just for thinking black, that. black musicians. And the 90s is like the box fade. Um, and so, if I had to, like, choose, well, assuming I could still grow hair, and I had to choose one of those, I think the Jerry Curl is a bad idea by... Like every, there's a consensus in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that I could still, if necessary, pull off the box fade. Yeah. And you know, you see every now and then that's kind of like quasi popular again. Yeah, I noticed. Mm-hmm. I've and noticed. So that. I want to say the '90s box fade over the '80s Jerry Girl. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think any hairstyle that uh, that pro- produces juice, <laughs> you've got to. <laughs> I always ask think of coming to America. About. Yeah, with the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Although, it, really, the I think the 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 kid in play, you know, if you're yeah. gonna go for the for that look, yeah, d- take That's it all the way. That's what I'm saying. So, like, what I'm saying is, there's like, you go back and say kid in play, respect it. You go mm-hmm. back and say Gary Curl, bad call. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Like Bill? Like Billy D. Williams, Jerry Curl, like that kind of. Yeah, Billy D is. I mean, when you look as good as Billy D does, you can kind of put what you want to on your head. So, like, he doesn't count. (laughs) I'm talking about something that that, that, you know, when you're either when the haircut makes it the the go or no go move, you want the fade, not the Jerry curl. So uh, uh, that brings our our grand total here of points. Um, Father Matt has 782 points. Uh, Father Kyle has uh, twelve hundred sixteen points. Uh, Father Esau has uh, twenty two point seven points, uh, and a gallon of uh, uh, Dr Pepper. I don't know why. Um, I have uh, 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 the gout. Somehow I've contracted the gout during the course of the game. Um, Luke, who was only here right at the very beginning of the game, has three million points. Uh, and Can I so tell you something? He is the winner of tonight's there's, game. There, there's, there's a song at the end of Kanye West's last first album called Last Call, mm-hmm. where he tells the story of how he signed with Rockefeller Records. And Kanye says at one point, I played them Jesus Walks, and they didn't want to sign me. He was talking about Capitol Records or something. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt when you told me I didn't win the game. <laughs> I gave you the Jerry Curl <laughs> analogy. 
<laughs> yes. On the fly. Fine. I gave you Frederick Douglass and Joshua Chamberlain. The <laughs> amount of quality material that I've, I've lifted the genre. He, I, he, I, he answered uh, a very sophisticated uh, New Testament yes, question. I gave you new, and I gave a great Wolverine apologetic. The scope of what I've done <laughs> over the last 90 minutes. covered all the ground. Here, here's what I love. Here's what I love about this moment. You are now trying to argue uh, to steal the victory from your own child. That's what you're after at this point. That kid needs to learn this is a dog-eat-dog world. When he joined the game, he's a competitor. Okay. You could just do the thing where you just live through him, right? Like you could no, be no, like no, the no, angry no, no. little league dad and just. I, I, you know. I am the I am the dad who takes pride in stupid able to beat his son and everything. I cannot <laughs> Twenty-two points. Twenty-two and a half and a gallon of Dr. Pepper. This, Let's not I, forget I think, the gallon of Dr. I, Pepper. Okay, then put it this way. I think I lost last time I was here, too. I thought you won last time. Didn't you win I last time? I think that no black person <laughs> in the history of your podcast. That's my claim. Your, your son doesn't count? Oh, oh, wait. This is not over yet. I'm still contesting this. <laughs> this has not been adjudicated. Up until this point, okay, okay. One, me, me, either me or Luke's gonna be the Jackie Robinson of God and comics, <laughs> and it's gonna be me. Not, first of all, he's twelve. He's not even old enough to be legally in the game. <laughs> uh, judges, can we have a ruling on this? I'm going to um, also conclude that Jonathan is racist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We finally gotten there. Oh, yes. Okay, I will tell I, I will Luke. I will wake that. Luke up tomorrow and tell no. him that he won. I was going to uh, no, He won. He won. No, listen, Jonathan, you're the vote. You've given him the victory, but you have to live with this. I'm just adding up the points, man. I'm just, this is simple math. That's all it is. You, you will carry this for years to come. <laughs> There's I'm gonna be. There's gonna the be. Podcast. You tell. You tell him. <laughs> tell him. There's gonna be an asterisk next to his name. The, oh, that kid. Yeah, he's gonna wake up in the morning. He's like, Dad, where's my breakfast? I'm like, Why don't you tell the God and college people to make you some breakfast, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck with your your algebra's giving you problems. Call Father Michigan, whatever his name is. Let him help you. I'm sorry. I get competitive. I'm proud of my son. He he came in with a hot take to Kylo Ren's a knockoff, and he gets a thousand points. <laughs> That's fine. Thank you for having me. I will be back at the end of coronavirus at the next Marvel movie. I'll be here. Okay. Oh, great. Sounds we, like a We good look idea. forward to having you then, and uh, looking forward to your book when it comes out in November. Yes. Yes, me too. I'm afraid that people might actually read it. That's kind of scary. <laughs> when you write something... I say it, there's a fear that nobody will read it and there's a fear that somebody might actually read it. So either way it goes, I'm terrified. So hopefully yeah. you all like it. But if not, you've at least put some money in Luke's pocket because it's all going towards his college tuition anyway. Hey, there uh, you go. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Looking forward to being invited on your podcast. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'll text you. I'll email you. I'll text you. I'll text oh, yeah. you. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, 
God and Comics uh, is on social media. If you have, I don't know what you would have more to say about in today's episode, but if you do, you can talk to us uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash God and Comics, or you can tweet at us. We're on Twitter at God and Comics. Uh, our website is godandcomics.com where you can re-listen to the show. Uh, we're also subscribable through iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, please give the show a rating and a review. It helps other people to find us and we will be wonderfully grateful. Our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right this minute, is by Father Paul Wheatley, who regularly floods his internal organs with ultraviolet light. Not to stop coronavirus, but just because he doesn't trust a man who doesn't have a super tanned spleen. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm here in protest. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you.